I've been yelled at that I'm the typical BMW driver and I'm enrobed in the lap of luxury when when you're yeah. in Rolls Royce. Whereas in the BMW, I mean, for me, it's like put on the helmet, gloves, race shoes. We're going to IKEA. <laughs> They're all excited when they hear that I drive the 1M. And then right next to me, as I was talking about my 1M, there was a 2.5 million dollar uh, BMW 507 Roadster. Wow. The actual styling of future BMW cars, maybe. Uh, if you look at that car, you, you're kind of imagining maybe a future 3 Series electric i3 hybrid. Why are we replacing the F80 with the G80? Okay, you and everybody else wants to know. <laughs> it's a valid question. Hey guys, welcome back to the BMW Blog Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 2. It's been a while since we've been live, but um, it's time to come back and give you some more behind-the-scenes looks at the BMW brand and, of course, some of the things that we've done in the last few weeks, few months. So, and as always, I have a guest with me, uh, James Backage, joining me. And uh, we're going to talk about a few things today, including one of his special project cars that he's going to tell us more in this episode. We're going to tell you where we're heading next and what we're testing and um, see, uh, see what else we can share with you. So, James, welcome. Thank you, Horatio. Good to be here. Good to be here. So, maybe let's kick it off with the big one, right? Let's, uh, let's, <laughs> let's start with you, maybe. So... You have a BMW M3 CS F80, and now you're working on something special. Maybe some of our listeners, viewers, have seen your video on our YouTube channel. If you haven't, please go there. You will probably notice it right away. It's something very, very different. But how about you tell us more about that, and then I can ask you some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it is a little project that I'm working on. It's kind of a big deal. Um, like you said, I do have a 2018 F80 M3 CS, and the big news is that Recently, I was invited over to BMW Seattle to be able to place an order for the G80 M3 CS. And uh, that's sort of the big uh, new chapter that we're kicking off in the BMW blog family. Uh, right. So let me ask you this before you go yeah. any further. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are we replacing the F80 with the G80? Okay, you and everybody else wants to know. <laughs> it's a valid question. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, so the truth is, I, I mean, day one, when the G80 and the G82 actually launched, um, I did publish a editorial on BMW blog, uh, essentially, at the time, being in the minority saying that I actually do like the design of the front end of the G8X series. And uh, yeah, that's partially part of the reason why I am looking at the G80 CS and you know, looking at saying farewell to the F80 CS because I really like the new design. It's mean. It's just, it's so angry. It's just, it's got a lot of things going on for it that I personally like, uh, which again, a lot of people seem to not be able to differentiate between personal tastes and, uh, and, and others. I like it. That's, that's the short end of it. I think it's mean and I like it. I appreciate the. So you're a fan of the Kinney Grill then? I am. I am. I am. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and say that I am a fan of the kidney grill. I know uh, a lot of people just <laughs> jumped back at the sound of that, but yeah, I am. And I know that there's others that, that like it as well. So I know right, I'm not so alone. Tell me this. Yeah. Um, tell me what you're trying to do with the coverage that we put out. So maybe walk us through some of the things that we might see as far as YouTube videos and articles on that maybe tease a few things and how this project will go also when it comes to media content absolutely yeah so i'm pretty excited because 
<laughs> like you mentioned, uh, we have some things lined up, some, some things cooking in the works. The first video, which is essentially the call, has already gone out. It's public, it's live, and people can watch it. It's, uh, it's essentially me getting the call from BMW Seattle to go in and build my dream G80CS. Now, what people can expect coming uh, in the future is essentially the journey that is from ordering uh, you know, your dream car uh, to essentially delivery and doing a walk around overview and everything that, you know, is included in between that from the weight, which is always a really tough thing. It is absolutely a first world problem, but anyone that's ordered a car <laughs> knows that the weight is pretty brutal. Um, you're constantly scouring the web for information. Uh, you're constantly pestering your dealership and your rep to to find out if the order has been in, if there's a confirmation, if the status has changed on the build itself uh, through BMW, and you're constantly checking the the, the status page, see uh, if it's gone into production. So uh, I've experienced that with the with the base F80, the white one that that was my first M car that we ordered, and it was it was rough, <laughs> but it was it was a lot of fun as well. Um, so. People can expect that tied to the G80CS. Um, and then there's a little bit of prep that I need to do in anticipation of picking up the G80CS. It is a more powerful car than the F80. Um, it's, it's, its characteristics and, and handling uh, abilities differ. Uh, so I think I need to go and train my, my sharpen my skills, if you will, on a dedicated M track. Uh, at some undisclosed event that will be revealed <laughs> soon. All right. So, um, do you want to share some of the options that, in case people haven't watched the video, any of some of the options that you've picked for the car? Yeah. Have you yeah, revealed yeah. the color? I don't recall honestly. Have you revealed the color in the video? It's, I, I do actually reveal the color uh, in the video. Too so. bad. I should have kept that as a secret. That would have been pretty cool. Well, I mean, it's... Since you revealed that, let's just, let's just start with that maybe and then tell me why you picked that color. Absolutely. Sure. So uh, let's start with the with the four color options that anybody uh, can choose as far as ordering a G80CS. So the first color option is Brooklyn Gray, and that's a standard color. Um, then you have, I believe it's uh, Sapphire Black. Again, another standard color. And then you have two BMW individual color options to choose from. Uh, signal green, which is this, uh, I'm going to call it confused green. <laughs> Personally, that's, that's my opinion. Uh, it's, it's not a very strong green. It's not a, uh, a pastel. It is this somewhere in between green, which if you watch the, the call video, the, the inaugural video of this uh, adventure series that I'm putting out, uh, you'll know that Adam from BMW Saddle really, really pushed hard to order it in that color because he's a fan of it. Uh, while I, on the other hand, am a big fan of the fourth color, which is also BMW individual optional color, and that is uh, Frozen Solid White, which is BMW's matte paint. Uh, and I'm excited for it, and that's the color that I chose because it's also the inaugural color um, for BMW to ever use this on any production vehicle. Uh, you know, you couple that with the one year of manufacture for the G80CS with the inaugural color. I think it's a winning combo. Uh, I'm excited for it. And I think it'll contrast really nicely with the carbon fiber aerodynamic components on the car. 
Gotcha. All right. Aren't you afraid of the frozen colors? No, no, no. For, well, first of all, <clears throat> Harry Show, I'm not afraid of anything. Because <laughs> <laughs> you live in Seattle, right? So around yeah. that area, basically, and you get a lot of snow and rain and all of that. And so yeah. not concerned at all about salt on the car and frozen paints and all of that. And I Well, first of all, I, I, I take really good care of my cars. Um, I treat them well. I protect them. They're always covered. Um, so the short answer is no, I'm not really worried about it. Uh, mm -hmm. But I might do... Uh, my, my F80CS has a ceramic coat on it, uh, like head to toe, literally everything from the roof all the way down to the windows, the wheels, the brake calipers, and of course, all the, all the body panels. Um, so that is definitely something that's in the cards that I'm thinking about doing on the frozen paint. Uh, and then potentially PPF, in which case I would PPF yeah. the car and then ceramic coat that. So it would get essentially two layers of protection. Um, but okay. white hides a lot of things. Like white cars, I, I think they, they kind of get a, they don't get their time in the light. They kind of get a bad rap. Either they're boring colors or what have you. Like white really hides dirt surprisingly well. Um, scratches as well. Like you, you can't really see any any blemishes on a on a white car. Gotcha. Um, now you so, add the element of frozen paint, and it's it's a little bit more complicated, but still true. still good. Okay. So from an investment perspective, why aren't you uh, swinging on, you know, towards keeping the uh, F80 M3CS? Because I feel like that car, it's only going to appreciate in value over time. I mean, it's almost impossible not to. Extremely limited, not too many in the U.S. And, uh, and honestly, um, that car has a really nice design, despite the fact that when it came out, I remember the F80 and F82, they were called quite, quite boring by the M community. That's... You know, it's a boring M car, but not everybody loves them. So maybe take a loan and keep both. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I wish I could do that. And if anybody wants to sponsor me and give me lots and lots of money <laughs> so that I can keep both, absolutely. Why not? I mean, you could always take a loan and, and see this as an investment, honestly. I mean, if you treat it as an investment, it doesn't matter. You take a loan out. Hopefully the interest rate is not too high on it. And Oh, like over time, I don't see how this car is not going to appreciate in in value. I mean, it's almost impossible not to. Yeah, I think I think it'll like any limited edition or limited production run of any vehicle. Uh, it sits at the top of the value food chain within its platform. I agree. I don't think we're going to see uh, you know appreciation or retention like we have seen on the one M. Um, I would love to keep both, but just logistically and financially, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense for me personally. Uh, and that's just the truth. Um, sure. I'd love so to I mean, keep the both. Yeah. So I mean, the one, M, you, if you look at that, it's not a, it's not a very good, um, use case because, or, or example, because the price point on that or the MSRP was quite low when it started. Right. So sure, there's a yeah, lot more true. room to actually appreciate and people feel comfortable paying eighty nine, ninety thousand dollars for it versus this one starts very high. What was the what was the price of your build? Your build? Uh, MSRP factory without any options on the F80. You mean or the the G80? On the M. Uh, actually, let's do the F80 and then we'll do the um, G80 because you have we haven't talked about the price. Yeah. So the F80 um, CS retailed for ninety eight ninety nine thousand, okay. and there were only a handful of options that you can add to it, which were the 
and performance carbon ceramic brakes and the yeah. and performance titanium exhaust. Okay. The brakes retailed for eighty five hundred, and the M performance exhaust, I believe, was five grand or gotcha. five six grand, something like that, which brought the total MSRP of the F eighty CS to one hundred and seventeen thousand. Okay. So okay. yeah, Fine. there's there's quite a delta between the one M sure. and the F eighty CS when when you when you look at it that way. Uh, and the G eighty. The G80 uh, starts at 118,600, something Crazy like that. 119, yeah. It's quite, a, it's quite a jump. It's quite I a mean, jump. basically starting at the price of what you pay for the, the FADM 3CS with all the options. Exactly. That's Yeah, that is true. Um, with the options that I've added, the frozen individual paint is uh, $4,500 on top of that. Um, you don't have a choice as far as exhausts go. <clears throat> it comes yeah, with a true. titanium silencer from the factory, which is, nice. which is very nice. Um, you can add the carbon ceramic brakes, which again, the price difference stays the same between the F80 and the G80 generation. So $8,500. Uh, and that's about it. You have choices in tires between the cup twos and unspecified. So you either go cup twos or unspecified sort of performance all season. And I hope you got the unspecified rain. I got the cup twos. <laughs> got the cup twos. I mean, it's a tricky one. I mean, honestly, they're, they're great track tires, but um, yeah. I don't know. It's, I'll be afraid driving them on the road if it's not the proper temperature and all of that. It's, uh, uh, yeah, I am a little bit leery of that because like, uh, yeah, Seattle, Washington weather. But yeah. you know what? I mean, G80. PS4S. I mean, you can do the PS4S, honestly. As a, as a the benefit kind of thing yeah yeah that's true that, that's true but there, there's an added safety net in the fact that what's, you know what's it's the not benefit just really of cup what's the benefit of cup twos on normal driving because i don't ever get it honestly no i mean for for you know for commuting standard driving you don't you don't see too much really it's it's really when yeah. you push and they get up to temperature where you start seeing the benefits um yeah but we're gonna push them right i mean we're talking about street driving slow speeds there is no pushing so absolutely yeah i never push i know i never drive fast ever that's not me. i mean if you track the car <laughs> and you want to keep them on as you don't want to stop them on and off and you track the car quite often i can i can see why i mean they're great tires on the track honestly they're fantastic um i mean but honestly i would be super afraid of daily driving i mean even the you know ps4s they're tricky when it's a little bit uh, uh, i guess stay tuned yeah, stay tuned yeah, and yeah, you'll find out yeah Hopefully you don't end up one of those YouTube videos, you know, the guy that decided uh, to floor the car on, the, you know, on, on a straight line and <laughs> crashed into a pole. I just saw a video on TikTok the other day with a G80. I was like, wow. The green one? Yeah, the green one. Yeah, yeah it breaks my heart. It's just, it's it, it's it's soul crushing, honestly. Yeah, I mean, if somebody wants to go watch it on TikTok, I mean, the, I th think the guy made a mistake also. He kind of he kind of floored the car even more when he started to um to lose control of it instead of just lifting up the uh -huh. the gas pedal and trying to counter steer but yeah i guess you know live and learn it's you can, to go yeah to. yeah no pass hard pass yeah. but yeah hopefully that doesn't happen okay. uh stay tuned i guess all right so let me ask you this uh, final topic on the uh, m3cs mm -hmm. why the m3cs and not the m4csl Aside from the price difference, I mean, clearly there's a price difference. Clearly, yeah. So there's multiple factors as to why not the M4 CSL. Personally, I, I, I prefer a four-door over a two-door. Mm -hmm. The added allure of having such a small production run on the CSL is quite nice. Mm -hmm. 
um, at the same time, you know, and I don't think it's a secret, you cannot find an M4 CSL at MSRP. The the adjusted uh, market yeah. price is just... Uh, it's quite high. It's quite high. And I am, again, not a huge fan of, of uh, two doors. Like, sorry, I, I, I like two-door cars. I just prefer four-door cars. So the M3 CS was sort of like the logical choice for me. Um, I do... There's obviously the... The M4 CS versus the M3 CS, there's always like a couple, like there's like a handful of things that differ between them to kind of differentiate them sure. um, aside from the door count. Like the OLED uh, lights on the F82 versus the laser lights, right? Um, it's it's almost like Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue back in the day for anyone that's listening and is like a, a gamer, right? There, there's certain things that you get with one and not with the other. Uh, but yeah, the short end of it is uh, I didn't want to pay uh, market adjusted prices, and mm-hmm. I prefer four doors over two. Uh, that's okay. the, sh- that's yeah. the short end of it. Yeah, I, I think there's just something really, really cool about having a car that is sort of a Swiss Army knife uh, and can do track and can do a, a, a you know an IKEA run if need be, uh, and and everything sort of in between. Gotcha. Okay, makes sense. Well, I'm excited to see. Um how the project unravels, basically. Let's you, see. Let's see what we have in store. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you guys haven't watched the video, it's on our YouTube channel. Um, you're going to see the big thumbnail with the G80 M3CS in signal green. So that's another color that James picked, but it's a good color to attract people to click on it. So that was, Yeah, that's that was true. The, also, that was I, the, couldn't, I couldn't find a really good uh, BMW archive footage. Uh, image of a frozen white uh no, i think that's a good one to uh, to lure people in even though it's not the same color but i guess you guys can go watch it it's it's quite long but very informative it kind of takes you behind the scenes on what it means to order the car and then of course we're gonna we're gonna keep on going and giving you some some content on that as we get close to delivery and then before the delivery we have like james said a very special surprise you know on how you do you prepare to drive the m3cs so um stay tuned for that we're working with bmw usa on a and a very cool little project. So um, we'll have some more on that stuff too. So definitely some great footage coming from James. He's really talented when it comes to video. He's got his own channel. So make sure that you go look for it. You know, James Package on YouTube. Okay. He's a, he's a car fan, but also a watch aficionado, right? So, oh, uh, God, yeah. This, you can uh, get to learn both in one place. So, uh, no, I actually, no. People. No, see, I that separated. That was a nice plug, you see. Now, I, that was, that was, oh, you separated them. Okay, I separated. Well, but thank you for the probably, plug. That's very yeah. kind and sweet of you. I appreciate yeah, I it. But I, so, I did separate them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah. car and travel, and then there's like watches as a separate okay. thing. Another cool. thing that's really cool, if people haven't watched the, the call video that we, we published, um, there's some incredible behind the scenes stuff that we do that again, Adam from BMW Seattle was kind enough to like show us a little bit behind the curtain. Of sure, not shout just, out to them. Yeah. Shout out to them. Absolutely. Like they treated us so well. Um, not just what it is to order a car or, and what the process is, but like crazy cool things that nobody really gets to see from like mm-hmm. behind the scenes, behind the curtain from a dealership's perspective. I had a blast. Uh, definitely recommend watching that and, and uh, sort of informing yourself and seeing how how the 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 sauce is made so to say yeah mm-hmm. very cool all right so let's jump into the next segment then. let's do it all right so next topic for me i'm gonna you know talk about me a little bit now yeah yeah <laughs> let's, do it. <laughs> let's make it all about me now let's do it 
So, I mean, it's been a few weeks since um, I've been live. I think the last podcast was Chuck with uh, Nico. They talked about some of the cars that Nico test drove. I think he drove the 7 Series, the M4 CSL. Right before that, I had a chance to drive the i7 also and also the 760i. So let me tell you a little bit about that. Maybe the i7 because that's the car that excited me the most. Um, the 760i 7 Series uh, V8, it's everything you expected from that car. So really... You know, of course, it's an improvement over the previous generation, but it's still a V8, still kind of the same thing. But the i7 was the one that really surprised me. I had a chance to drive it also in uh, Palm Springs, and I had a chance to also push it quite hard, actually, in some of those roads. Uh, a little bit too hard, maybe, sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's um, let's move past the design, right? I've, I've said it before. I'm not a fan of the necessarily the, the bikini grill on the 7 Series. It does look all, all right. I'm actually black, you know, colors, maybe dark colors, and I don't mind it as much, but... Of course, it's an acquired taste or maybe it's something, one of those things that you either love it or hate it. So I don't dwell too much on that. Uh, the interior, it's absolutely top-notch. I think there is nothing that BMW could have done better inside the car. The curve display fits perfectly within that car. It's a big, big cockpit. So, of course, it makes a lot more sense than in maybe in smaller cars like the i4. So it doesn't bother me at all. Naturally, I'm still complaining about the physical buttons and switches kind of going away and kind of making things a little bit harder for the driver. Um, but... Once again, just a little pet peeve that I have with that. And I guess some people have it as well. So interior, top quality. I had a cashmere uh, seating um, trim or upholstery, however you want to call it, which is quite unique because uh, I've, you know, I haven't seen it in a BMW before, clearly. They're telling me that it's, uh, it's quite durable. So we'll see if that's going to... It's going to pass the test of time, basically. How it's going to um, hold up, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But, I mean, it looked premium, honestly, for a cashmere. I never imagined that I would replace leather in a $170,000 car with <laughs> cashmere, but I can see why somebody would do it. It's so nice, honestly, and uh, very, very unique. So that was cool. And, of course, got all the amenities in there, expecting a luxury car. Gimmicks, plenty of gimmicks in that car. I mean, you have all these you know, automatic open and closed doors and everything else. And, honestly, it just... It's kind of expected in the class of that in in a, in in that class, and yeah. of course, some people might use those, some people might not, but they're just there, so you don't really have to use them if you don't want to. But it's nice to have, and of course, the theater screen. Um, I, I guess that's impressive. I had a chance to drive in the to ride in the back seat, <laughs> and um, phenomenal. Honestly, I can see myself having a driver and just kind of going for a long ride and just watching, you know, movies <laughs> or whatever. Even doing, you know, you can actually do video streaming there and you can uh, you can do video conferencing also you can even do probably a podcast honestly as long as you don't lose the signal you can actually have a podcast with someone i think we should do that yeah that'll be cool actually that'll be a cool idea honestly because i think if you if you're in an area where you have really good 5g coverage i don't see why it wouldn't work and it'd be quite cool actually to do that so it might be a might be a be an interesting one to look at but, it'll um, be a world's yeah. first right like maybe yeah, probably yeah I mean, hopefully something is not gonna tell our idea now so yeah let's do it fast <laughs> <laughs> actually nate is driving one this week i don't know if he has the theater screen or not but i gotta ask him he does he but does he's got he said yeah. he's got the it's the 760, 760 so yeah. it has to right yeah i mean it depends it's an option so i don't know if they have it or not but i'll ask him actually but back to the i7 driving, yeah. So honestly, uh, fantastic car, super fast to drive. Has the same power, I think, as the 760i normal one. Of course, the acceleration, it's instant. You know, getting all that instant torque, especially when you try to floor the car in some of those curvy roads. It's really, it's really competent, actually. You can do a lot of things you don't expect from a car of that size. Uh, it's got all these nice features when it comes to brake regeneration, you know, um, low mode, uh, medium, high, adaptive. 
and by uh, by going into the high adaptive mode basically i started to get car sick at some point because the braking is so aggressive oh, wow. going so fast and then you're braking fast so i was trying to regenerate the most uh, the most energy in a car kind of see you know if i can achieve the best range mm-hmm. uh, the, um, that shows right there how fast the car is and how fast it can actually break and all of that but nonetheless honestly i feel like it's a really good product the range is decent um, i don't see people having that car to drive a lot basically so uh, for what's for in, its internal purposes, I think the the range is not bad at all. And um, once again, you know, the design either love it or hate it. But honestly, I feel like they've done a good job with this one. And I can only imagine what they're going to do on the next generation seven series when they have a brand new platform and uh, a lot more room to to play with um, with the battery sizes and you know the the packaging of the entire drivetrain and all of that. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's a very compelling uh, offering from from BMW. Um, I I've spoken with a handful of people, and the general sort of sentiment is that in some aspects, the the new Seven Series has essentially utterly eclipsed the the S class. So that's a tough one, right? So I just talked to someone about that as well. I feel like. At the S class, it's always been what the M3 has been in its segment. So, so AMG has been trying to, in my opinion, try to catch up with the M3 for a long time, and maybe they get close. But I feel like the M3 is kind of like the king of that segment. 100%. Even though you might hear reviews, you know, here and there, they might praise the AMG or maybe the, you know, the Audi RS stuff, you know, more. But I would say the M3 is king in that class, and I feel like the same way S class, it's been the king in that segment for a long time. And BMW is constantly trying to, you know, kind of not catch up, but maybe trying to outdo them. But uh, honestly, the S-Class, it's kind of like people think about luxury limousine, probably that comes to mind first. Um, nonetheless, I don't think it's a it's a winner-takes-all game. You just want to have a really good volume in that segment. It, it rarely know, is, right? Like, it yeah, rarely, rarely is. Exactly. So you just want to have a good product to give people that maybe they're in love with the BMW brand and they want to stay with the BMW brand. You want to give them an option when it comes to that. People that cross shop, of course, they're always going to look for the latest and shiniest tool and all of that. And people that are probably S-Class fans for a very long time, mm-hmm. they might not go to buy a 7 Series the same way. They're not going to go from an M3 to an AMG four-cylinder, you know, C63, basically, right? So uh, once again, right? I mean, it's uh, it's just one of those things. They're competing in multiple segments. Sometimes one comes ahead of the other one, sometimes the other way around. So uh, it's not uh, it's nothing wrong, you know, with one car being better than the other one. But um, no, not yeah, at all. So. I mean, I mean, it's healthy competition. I think it's what keeps the manufacturers sort of honest and constantly striving to do better yeah, and to to sure. raise the bar. But um, no, I, I just thought it was very uh, interesting that some people were like, "Yeah, you know, the 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 new seven has actually been." exceeding in some areas where previously the s-class has always dominated in those specific sort of areas like rear rear space and uh, amenities and creature comforts and quote-unquote gimmicks you know like the new seven is it has arrived it's making a statement it's it and it's it's in some aspects leading the way yeah i'm gonna share one more thing actually because yeah. it shows how different we are how different we perceive um um styling and maybe design so for example i actually like the eqs shape right so people complain about especially you know mercedes fans they complain about the shape of the eqs mm-hmm. especially the the roof line you know and and honestly i find it like to be really sleek and very futuristic maybe because i like that stuff usually 
It doesn't bother me, but they complain about that quite a bit. Well, we're on our side. We're complaining about the Kinney Grill on the 7 Series. And then I heard people from Mercedes saying, oh, no, that's actually not bad. It's actually kind of fits the car's profile. You know, it's got a nice integration. It kind of reminds me of like a mini Rolls Royce, you know, which is not a bad thing, you know, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. So it's it's just funny how different we are. But I guess at the end of the day, if you're a, if you're a 7 Series fan and when you had a car for a long time, you're inclined probably to buy it once again, especially if now you have so many drivetrain options. I don't see why you shouldn't look at the car. But um, yeah, that was kind of the that was kind of the i7. I think you can always watch our videos. I've done one. I think Nico has done one as well. And we'll have a 760i coming up from Nate. He's going to test drive it quite a bit also. I'm going to focus mostly on features and all of that. So we'll, um, we'll cover that quite a bit. It's exciting. I'm, I'm like yeah. you said, you said regenerative braking. And I'm very curious to experience at some point, hopefully, the aggressive regenerative braking setting plus mechanical braking from your actual yeah. brakes plus pairing that with like engine braking, right? Like by downshifting, like that's yeah. three three levels essentially of braking and how how that sort of like emerges as far as like vehicle characteristics and dynamics and how it, it exert itself on you as a driver because you said you actually started feeling a little bit sick. Yeah, I mean, I was feeling sick because I was pushing the car quite hard. And once you go into that regen mode, which I'm used to the one brake uh, uh, pedal fill basically from the i3 has only one option the i3 so i kind of wanted to experiment the same thing in the i7 because the car's mass is so so high mm-hmm. and the speeds i was traveling with are so high of course you're going to get car if you're constantly you know breaking hard and doing all of that but honestly i've said it in all my reviews if you're buying an i4 ix i7 whatever ix1 just go and pick the adaptive you know brake regen it does everything for you, you don't have to worry about it it's perfect uh, it's it, it's a really smart algorithm on hardware and it takes a lot of data into consideration and knows exactly uh, how much to break and when and all of that. So there is nothing better than that. If you do want to play around with the other settings, of course they're there, but adaptive just works. Put it in, don't worry about it. You're good to go. Of course, I had to test it all and um, clearly, yeah, but it's it, it just gets you sick because you're going fast with that car. I mean, it's a big car. <laughs> you're going on pump springs, got these really curvy roads constantly trying to push the car brake hard you know and all of that but it shows right there how much fun that car is really and of course nobody's going to drive the car the way that i did or some other journalist did either i mean that's a limousine you want to go soft and calm and not worry about that but of course we we have to to be those type of guys that we have to do our job yeah. yeah exactly so that was that yeah so now we're talking about the future a little bit i mean um, i guess from there i went to or some other trips in between but i guess one of them was definitely um uh, I went to Munich before CS and I had a chance to see and film the BMW iVision D, so that very futuristic concept car, artificial intelligence and all of that. So um, I had a chance to play with it uh, in Munich and also then at CS. Lots of topics on that, honestly, and lots of comments and, and our views, actually. Also, we've I've done a quick... Uh, quick cut from my interview with Demongoy Dukic, the head of design from BMW. And I think that particular clip is like 30 seconds mm. long asking the car what's what's its name, her name, his name, whatever you want to put it, however you want to put it. And uh, I think that video's got like, I don't know, 20 million views across multiple platforms. <laughs> and uh, yeah, of course, mostly because of the name, uh, kind, of, kind, of u- kind of unique name. The? So people were, yeah, the, so you know, people were playing uh, some some jokes with that. But Nonetheless, you know, when it comes to the car, I think one thing worth mentioning that it's 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 a vision car. So BMW has this thing that where they have like a vision project, then they have the actual concept car, and then they have their production series. Mm-hmm. In some cases, I believe the i8 maybe they had a vision, they had a concept, they had another concept, and then they had finally the production series. And of course, 
gets closer and closer in terms of design to the production at some point. So this car, it's really a vision, right? It's meant to show really maybe not the actual styling of future BMW cars. Maybe uh, if you look at that car, you, you're kind of imagining maybe a future 3 Series electric, i3, hybrid, however they want to call it. Mm-hmm. And maybe the, um, the dimensions will be similar, but I don't expect the actual shape to be identical. There will be some things from that car for sure. I, I expect the kidney grills to, to kind of go more horizontal than actually vertical. Mm-hmm. So I expect that to see. And I expect some some very slick you know, taillights and headlights. And especially from the side, I expect the new design, the new iClassy design to be very clean, very minimalistic, kind of in line with electric cars. So you're not going to have all these creases and shapes that you usually see on current products. So um, that's that, but I, I don't think it's the identical future, you know, three series, of course, because it's a vision. We're going to see the concept card later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have a chance to see that actually quite soon. And then basically that's going to preview in a way what we're going to see in 2025 with the new generation. But I think one thing that we will see from this car, and I think that's why BMW went to emphasize that quite a bit of CS, was really the new head-up display. So they have this new head-up display that kind of takes over the entire windshield at the bottom of the windshield huh. and it just kind of spans across. And um, I'm going to try to put some some B-roll and some footage on this one so you can actually see it. And essentially, that's kind of their vision for a future head-up display, probably powered by iDrive 10 by that time because they have an iDrive 9 coming out soon. So I guess the iDrive 10 will make sense to be, it's kind of like a cool number also. So might as well save that for the new iClass and have iDrive 10, which I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's going to be the name. It just makes sense. And, um, we're gonna see iDrive X. Yeah, or iDrive X. Actually, that's actually a good one. I like iPhone X. Yeah, so that'll be a cool one. So um, yeah, so I guess um, the head-up display is something that that felt like it was not that far from a production series. I mean, of course, they had this augmented reality and um, AI embedding it, and all of that, and quite cool, like sort of a mixed reality kind of thing, which is something that I've also tested before, and I can talk about that after this because it kind of ties into that. Mm-hmm. But a mixed reality really means you're kind of into an AR world. But at the same time, you're kind of seeing physical things as well, objects. So if, uh, like in that demo mode, I was in a full AR mode and I was driving through the strip on Las Vegas and then there were some uh, bikers or bicycles, you know, passing by me and then immediately kind of switched to a mixed reality mode where I could see them and avoid them if I needed to and all of that. So interesting mix. I don't think it's going to be in the production series anytime soon, but I guess the, the idea how everything was displayed and also the fact that the information about the car, the mileage, the speed, all that was displayed at the bottom of the windshield mm-hmm. in a very, I, I felt like it was a non-invasive way. I mean, on video it might look invasive, but actually once you're behind the wheel, it doesn't look like it's just taking over the entire field of vision. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, I, I felt it was very slick. I also played around with it and it seemed like the information was only available. It was kind of contextual. So whatever you needed to see at that point, you will be shown in there, so which was quite cool because it didn't feel like it's overloading so essentially it was quite clean one information at a time not overloading so that way you're not distracted but i am curious how that's going to be refined for a production series i mean over uh, information overload is a very real thing so i think the the user interface the ux ui is is key um to see it uh come out and being showcased uh at this stage is really exciting and uh, i think obviously bmw would be smart and i'm sure they do this already gather feedback gather input from uh, from external sources not just like internal user researchers but it's we're living in the future in, in many yeah, ways for right sure. yeah. um, for so sure that sounds cool. the only downside of all of this honestly is and i can see the reading on the wall and actually 
not even that. I don't have to see because I was kind of told in interviews with uh, with the chief designer, Adrian Van Hoyt and all these guys. I, I guess what it means really that we're going to be losing even more physical buttons and switches. It kind of becomes, yeah. maybe it's not a switchless world, but definitely a, a lot less switches and buttons than we see before, than we see today. And um, and honestly, that's kind of the only downside because um, I, I, I give them my honest feedback. You know, I give it to uh, to Adrian also, and I give it to some other guys that, that were present there. They were in, in charge of uh, digital uh, aspects at BMW. And I told them that um, nothing will ever replace uh, the physical buttons and switches when it comes to simple functions like yeah. uh, controlling the AC, controlling the, the, the radio and all of that. They, they just work. And I give the example of, um, I used to study when, well, when I went to school, Actually, a fun fact, I'm a computer science major, so I studied uh, one semester, I focused quite a bit on UI and UX back in the day. And I've learned quite a few things from there that basically some things just work. Like, for example, a doorknob. There is a reason why a doorknob is still a doorknob today, right? I don't know when it was invented, but definitely a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But if you look at a doorknob or, or or door handle, you know, how just they just say door handle. It just works, right? Everybody knows how to use it. Everybody knows what it does. It doesn't need anything new, anything electronic and everything else. And I think some of these things should just stay that way, honestly, because it's so much easier to adjust the AC by simply, you know, turning onto a knob than having to use voice controls, which sometimes work, you know, it's a funny one because they keep pushing the voice controls and I get it. They work. Um, there are a couple of things there. Um, sometimes it doesn't really work well. And I've tested it with somebody that doesn't have an accent, maybe like I do. So maybe a native born American, basically no accent, anything else like Nico tested it. And in some cases it didn't work properly. Of course, could be a combination of different things. Maybe it was a pre-production car, so on and so forth, but it did not work extremely well. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is uh, when it works, you don't really know all the commands. You need to kind of figure out what can it do for you? So there are things that you think they're obvious and you're telling the car to do and it doesn't do it because they're just either regulations. Like for example, I think there was one example in the IX, like you could you could open the windows by voice command, but you cannot close all of them or something like that. Very, very unique. I'm sure it's a regulation type of thing. Oh. Same thing, you cannot open the trunk basically um, with the voice command, things that you would assume that would work clearly. Yeah. You know, you don't want to do that while driving. So... That might be the reason there. But there's some things that you have to go to the manual actually in the car to kind of figure out what the car can actually do for you via voice command. So uh, I'm sure there will be a time in the future like Vision D showed where an artificial intelligence type of computer will be able to recognize a lot more things from you and process them the same way like Siri does and maybe Alexa and all of that. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, to go back to, to what I said is, you know, the we are losing those physical buttons, which, which I believe some of them should have stayed in there. For, for mainstream functions, as I call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give one other example that I gave one of the digital um, vice presidents. Basically, I said, you know, if you have a very long playlist, um, so let's say you, you connect your um, Apple CarPlay and you have a very long playlist uh, on your phone, by the time you're going with the finger and trying to scroll down and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, it just it's very distracting. I mean, if you're not driving, it's easy. If you're driving, it's really distracting. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, and and if you use the knob, you know, then you can just kind of scroll down. Of course, you still have the iDrive knob, and you can do that in most of the cars. But that iDrive knob is going away in some cars too. So it it's gone in the X1, and what else? There was another one that it's gone. And, um, and two series active tour and I don't, I'm hoping it's not going to be gone because the iDrive knob it's really good and the iDrive system overall it's really good now so hopefully that stays but um, some of these things they should not be really tinker with honestly and that's my only complaint about Vision D and what's coming really the 
you know, muscle memory. Uh, and I, I completely agree. There's certain things like core functionality, the quick go to like hotkeys or shortcuts that mm-hmm. really should not be digitized. Um, it's, no. I, I understand. I understand like fast forward 20, 30 years from now, um, you know, we all want to live in the sort of Star Trek, Star Wars universe where everything is a flat surface and it's a screen, but um, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think we're ready for that. I think uh, we've tried to do it in a lot of instances mm-hmm. and it's sort of backfired. Yeah. And you, you've seen, you, you see some vehicles that are out in the market that have tried to go in that direction hard and then you see like the following generation sort of like pull back and re- return some of those physical uh, or analog controls back to the interior cockpit of the vehicle and, and sort of giving the, the driver uh, that physical kinetic connection. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting. Uh, yeah. Curious to see. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they're doing a lot of research. I have no doubt. I mean, they're doing a lot of research and they're not just, you know, throwing... Uh, and seeing what sticks basically but um mm. it'll be very interesting of course we will take us some time to adjust so we'll see i mean i'll, I'll see that concept car very soon and i guess i guess that will give us a, that will give me a better indication what to expect in the future i can give you a better assessment uh, probably um at the munich car show in september and uh, this one we're going to see that concept car publicly and we can we can talk about that more but yeah that's vision d just treat this one as a vision car um, they always showcases some technology when it comes to the vision cars, and I guess the main focus on this one was really that head-up display, from what I understood. And of course, it shows uh, this cool color-changing thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe worth mentioning that. Mm-hmm. So, essentially, the the headlights, the front end, the kidney grill is really just digital, and you can you can have expressions and do expressions, and you can adjust the kinesi the 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 kinesi, you know, kind of shape in a way, and the lights and all of that. So that's quite cool, and I don't think that's too futuristic because. Uh, I feel like now being able to change colors on that, uh, that's going to lead to some interesting projects, maybe one-off projects or maybe small series cars where it will take advantage of, you know, being able to change the color on its own. And uh, I can see the utility for that. And we've talked about that in certain articles. Uh, What's the utility of having a color-changing car? And I guess one of them is really if you're going to a dealership and you want to see a car in a specific color, now you can actually just, you know, digitally mm-hmm. change that color and you can see it in real life, in real body shape or real dimensions. And you can actually see what it looks like versus seeing it on a tablet or augmented reality or everything else, you know, VR and everything else. I think it's it's a better experience uh, to to introduce a car and show a car in different colors. The, the cost to benefit ratio though, right? For, for now, I think it, it makes sense to have it be... Uh, present in these special scenarios maybe like one-offs or very very limited um sort of creations for these specific scenarios like at a dealership mm-hmm. sure. but uh ideally yeah ideally we we have that as a as an end consumer thing that we we could just have but the cost i think right now is still too high to have it be mass produced yeah for sure very cool though very very cool idea yeah. uh, also i'm wondering yeah, what like cool. um rules and regulations and policies as far as like you know like, no. you know it's like is this a blue car well it I can asked, be a yeah. blue car well registration says that it's con- it's, a, it's just a question mark under like make model color year color is just a I question i asked that question yeah, yeah. so stella say. clark she's the head of the project um really cool engineer she's awesome and um i asked that question of course it's going to come down to regulation at some point and 
what the future will look like, nobody knows. But there's some ways to um, to make it legal. Like, for example, you could have the car a unique uh, identifier, RFID kind of mm. transmitter or something like that. Or what it kind of transmits to the police car. Hey, you know, this is the original car, basically. You're chasing, you know, this car, it should be this color, but you're having this color. So something like that will talk to the police car, basically, on a voluntary basis, of course. And then uh, that way it could be identified. But of, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking about that. I have no doubt that they always think it's, it's always thinking about regulations and how he, they can actually meet them. So no doubt we'll see something like that, maybe in the future, like in a, another concept or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what else? Oh, yeah. So we spoke about mixed reality. Let me go back a little bit more yeah i went to portugal actually in november to the web summit this huge tech conference and bmw decided to invite me there to not only see that and they were part of the the whole web summit but i wanted to see this mixed reality m2 it was a chance to drive the m2 once again i had a chance to drive it last year as a prototype when i had a chance to, to kind of drive it once again a little bit to kind of drift and do some crazy stuff but the cool part is which i didn't realize before i actually went they explained to me but i was like mm, okay maybe i don't really get it but it sounds cool the idea was really that I was in a physical M2 car prototype, uh, four-point harness and all of that, so you can be safe and everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, an engineer being my co-pilot, so we can stop the car if needed. But essentially, I was wearing a high-end virtual uh, reality headset. I believe it's 12,000 years or something like that. Extremely, you know... Uh, business, uh, business focused, you know, business grade. Mm-hmm. And... Um, very high quality graphics. Uh, it, it talks to another device in the car that kind of tracks the motion of your head and the body and all of that, but also talks to the telematics on the car. It takes a lot of data points from the car. And basically because of that, when you're driving, you're not getting motion sickness or getting sick at all. Basically, you just feel like you're driving an actual car. So imagine this having this huge VR headset on top of your head. And what you see out there, it's really a mixed reality. So basically I can see my hands, I can see some of the controls on the car, uh, the, the dashboard and everything else. But if you look on the side or in the front, it's basically all virtual reality. So what they did was they set up this virtual racetrack, essentially like in a game, and you're in a parking lot with a lot of space where you have room to kind of do these maneuvers and you're kind of following the track you know, digitally displayed in front of you and you can you know collect points if you're going through a particular gate and getting different <laughs> coins and all of that so kind of like a fun fun game but essentially if you're looking from the outside you feel like the guy just driving like a maniac <laughs> and they have no idea what the guy is doing because he's like going and you know doing eights and, and turning and spinning and like like what's going on so from there so it looks quite quite weird but the project is pretty cool because they didn't invest a lot of money from what i heard it was a kind of like a you know let's see what comes out of it the feedback was pretty awesome of course people think that it's silly and in a way maybe maybe it's silly you know because you want to drive the actual car on a racetrack but they gave the example of you know which is you know actually frank vermeil the you know mco gave that example which is i think it's it's quite valid if you're on north life it's like a what 20 kilometer kind of circuit mm-hmm. and then if you want to practice the same corner you got to go around right so you got to go around and go around it just takes time right to get to the same point you're going to practice the same thing versus now you can set up that particular corner or bank you know and you're just practicing that over and over mm-hmm. and over again basically and they give that example for you know certain tracks where if you want to practice getting the best time that might be one way of course it's also a cool way to experience different tracks around the world without actually being there mm-hmm. naturally it's not the same experience not the same you know asphalt and everything else but it's kind of it's kind of cool because you know in a real world instead of a gaming world and experiencing that so very interesting if you ever have a chance if they ever bring it to a consumer 
type show maybe um I, I encourage people to try it because it's a lot cooler than it looks like in videos it's hard to explain especially while you're inside the car you're fully immersed and you just kind of imagine you're on a racetrack really so it doesn't feel any different except for maybe the, yeah. the physical g-forces right correct yeah, yeah i mean yeah. of course you can't really it's a you know you're usually on, on a flat surface right so yeah. of course you're not going to be able to uh, replicate completely that but um Fun little project. I don't know if anything's going to come out of it as far as a future thing, but it kind of shows, you know, this uh, mixed reality world, which is, you know, a combination of physical things and the VR world. We keep talking about the metaverse and everything else. That just sounds like the most expensive, highest end, coolest uh, home rig at home, right? Uh, You put it on a dolly with like hydraulics to maybe simulate some motion as well. Um, But that's an interesting point of like, being able to practice one specific corner over and over and over again. Uh, I mean, you're saving time, you're saving resources, um, sure. you know, tires, fuel, and all that jazz. Uh, very sure. interesting. Very interesting. Very plus, interesting. plus, you have like that tactile, again, physical experience of like being in mm-hmm. the cockpit of the vehicle, but with sure. all the benefits of uh, mixed and AR and VR. Like, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We got time for two more topics. One again about the future, and then maybe one that's tangible and something that uh, you know we can actually drive very, very soon. So cool. let's start with that. Let's do it. All right. So let me start with another futuristic thing. I, I recently went to um, um, Brussels, or actually Antwerp, and the reason why I went there was actually to retest the BMW iX5 hydrogen. Uh, fun fact: last year I was actually the first person outside BMW to ever drive the BMW iX5 hydrogen. I was only told now, so I couldn't really brag about it last year, but I just found that I was the first person that actually drove the car outside of BMW engineers and ahead of other people too, actually, because there there was was a group of executives coming after me to test the car too. So I I guess really I um, I beat them to the punch, which was kind of cool to hear. Christian, so listen, everybody knows right here. Everybody knows know, you're a big deal. Right here. You're a big deal, okay? Everybody No, knows. no, no. I just uh, just uh, just honestly um I guess the I got lucky this time. It was a very small group. Um so I I made a cut. Let's just put it that way. Definitely made a cut. <laughs> <laughs> and there were only a few journalists and I was the first one to actually go there. And uh, it was a, it was quite a journey because I went from Chicago to New York, then to Stockholm, then I landed on a, in, in a small airport, and I took another tiny plane from there to to Ario Plug, and then actually before Ario Plug, there's another city I can't really pronounce the name, and I took a, a a ride from there, like an hour and a half drive in the middle of nowhere, really by the Arctic Circle. So it was quite a unique experience. Wow! Um, I, mean, I filmed that last year, so there are a couple of videos out. If you can Google BMW X5 Hydrogen. Uh, you will probably see the the snowy footage, and that was basically at minus forty, minus fifty Celsius film. That was outside filming. You know, it was freezing, and I filmed two days in a row. But nonetheless, this was the continuation of that story. Basically, that was a very early pre-production car. It had a lot of equipment inside. There was pre uh, pre-production. It had a particular sequence to turn on and off the car, so it's all safe, so very, very different than one that I experienced in, in Belgium right now. So in Belgium, they had a very fine project. Basically, it's the one that's going to go into a test fleet. There are some cars, um, I, they haven't said the full number, but I guess the U.S. is going to get about five of them. They're going to be used, from what I know so far, as, as you know, shallow service type of cars and uh, maybe given to VIPs. They don't know exactly yet how the regulations will work here with that car. But essentially, it's a it's a hydrogen car. And what I mean by hydrogen, 
It's actually an electric car. So let me give you a quick refresher on how that technology works because first time that I went to um, to Sweden last year, I was kind of confused a little bit too, but I've learned quite a bit since, even though I drove a similar one in France uh, in, on their testing grounds there a few years back, similar thing. So essentially you have two hydrogen tanks in the car. They they produce energy which feeds into an electric motor placed at the back in this car and essentially that's how the car drives it's all electric it's the same electric motor from the ix so no difference there and essentially instead of using a battery uh, pack to power that electric motor you're using hydrogen to create the energy and so on and so forth we have a very comprehensive um look at that on our youtube channel so make sure to check it out because i talked to the head of the project um jorgen uh, Gulner and and he's been doing this for quite some time with BMW and he explained in detail how that technology works. It's very interesting, very unique. But driving experience, I mean, it was the first time that I drove the car on public roads because in in Sweden it was really on frozen lakes and it wasn't the same scenario. But essentially, I wanted to see what it feels like driving the car, and in many ways it felt uneventful in a good way mm -hmm. because I was just telling one of the engineers that was in the car with me that. It just feels like a normal BMW electric SUV. Like, you don't think about, oh, is it an iX? Is it an X5? Uh, you just don't think about it. It just drives like a normal electric BMW SUV. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit underpowered compared to the iX, of course. And uh, the technology has got a few benefits. And I'm going to focus on that first before I tell you the negative. So the benefits are really the fact that you can refill quickly three to four minutes you can get to a range of 500 kilometers on the wltp it hasn't been ready for the epa so i'm not sure exactly what that would be but essentially you can refill quickly and um and that's one of the benefits second benefit i guess what i see from my perspective since i've been driving electric cars for quite some time it's the benefit that i don't have to precondition a car in winter time and i don't lose that 30 percent you know, mm -hmm. of 20 20 20 30 percent of of, of the range because it's so cold outside and I didn't, and I didn't precondition the car. So because of that, that's one of the advantages that I see my, you know, in my case that would work really well with the hydrogen powered car. There's some other ones, of course, um, clearly, you know, it's, um, it's nice to produce electricity out of hydrogen and everything else. The end result, you, you can actually see it through the exhaust pipes, the fake ones, you can see the water kind of like dripping out, which Vapor. is quite yeah, cool, actually. That's pretty cool. To see that, very, very cool. But there are some there's some drawbacks, you know. I guess the main one right now is the energy prices in Europe. They're quite high. Mm. I guess uh, in in Antwerp, um, they're extremely high right now. And the refueling station that I was at, uh, it was about 18 euros per kilogram. The car has two tanks holding six kilograms. So simple math tells you that to go 500 kilometers, you have to pay about 180 euros. Very expensive. A lot more expensive than. Uh, even probably a normal gasoline power car, certainly more expensive than a BAV, a fully electric car. So that's one of the drawbacks, the cons. They're telling me that the prices for the hydrogen might go down, so they're expecting it to be below $10. You know, that's going to make it a little bit more affordable. But uh, we have to see what happens with the energy crisis in Europe. And uh, in the U.S., we don't have that problem, but we do have the issue that there are not enough uh, refueling stations in the U.S., so that's another con probably. There are only about 81 of them across the US, majority of them in California, clearly. So the infrastructure is not there yet. Um, they're telling me that they can reuse the existing infrastructure to add hydrogen. So it makes it a bit more compelling They keep building, you know, fast charging stations. But of course, uh, a hydrogen station cost, it's in the millions of dollars. 
So we have to see how much, you know, somebody or the government is willing to to invest into this tech for the future. But BMW is excited about this one, mostly because it's not a it's not a technology that's that aims to take over the BEVs. I guess that's what people didn't really get the first time. Like BMW is not trying to build this to to overtake the battery powered vehicles. It's really a complement to that product. So somebody that's um, that's looking maybe for a car with more range or maybe similar range, but faster refueling times and they live close to a hydrogen station and this might be an option for them. Of course, the trucking industry and the um, the the naval industry and all of that, they might be pushing this uh, further in the future where there will be more refueling stations along certain corridors and then you can travel really uh, you know, longer distances without having to worry about the range and simply just refueling the tank. Yeah. So that's kind of the you know, that's kind of what they're thinking with this one. Very interesting tech. I'm I'm sure it's gonna develop even more in the future because this was built on the current generation cars, uh, car architecture. But they have the dedicated new classic coming out, so um, they're gonna probably be working on something for that as well to show as a as a demo car or um, you know show and tell car. But basically, um, we have to see what they do with that and how things are gonna change. But very interesting tech. You know, it's. Interesting to be on Dublin Toyota. They keep pursuing this, and um, we'll see what the future brings. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I can really discard it fully. From a driving perspective, it's a normal electric car. You won't know the difference. It drives like a BMW, and uh, that was the thing that I kind of focused on because um, it really felt like an X5 electric. Really, nothing, nothing different. That's sort of like I guess I won't say the highest praise, but I mean, if you can't tell the difference, then it's a win. Uh, it's fascinating yeah. though that a lot of the work is sort of predicated and tied to, no pun intended, like economic temperatures, right? Like how things are panning out as far as like energy is concerned, uh, but also how close it's tied to logistics and infrastructure and the desire or the um, willingness for governments to subsidize and sort of invest into this. It, mm-hmm. it, it in in part, it kind of decides whether this lives or sort of goes quietly into the night, sort of, yeah. so to speak. Yeah, I mean, the, the other maybe drawback or con that it's worth mentioning that um, having a hydrogen car is not very efficient. So you're always going to get better efficiency overall in a car from a BEV product. So I guess it's in the 90s percentile, basically. Um, when it comes to to BEVs. And on this one, if you zoom out out of the entire pipeline and everything else, uh, the efficiency on a hydrogen car could be, you know, as low as, you know, 60% or something like that. Mm. So of course, if if you're close to a facility that produces hydrogen, you know, right next to a windmill or something like that, then the efficiency, it's it's like a lot higher. But if you zoom out and you're looking at the entire, uh, you know, pipeline, then it might not be very efficient because you need to transport that story and all of that. So, it's not entirely green and very efficient, but um, very specific um, use case yeah. scenarios. Then, but like very specific yeah. use case scenario. Yeah. So I, I asked that question because I had to ask. You know, I'm going to put them on the spot a little bit. But basically, if you, it could be very efficient and it could be highly inefficient, only depending on on the use case. You know, the 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 facility location, how it's being produced, and so on and so forth. On the upside, of course, you're using um, less. Or almost non-rare materials, from what I understand, so you don't have to worry about cobalt and all of that, which is a big topic in today's 
development of electric cars, but that's another that's another thing you know that um, that I mentioned in our review and also on the website there are quite a few articles on that, so definitely worth checking that out. And especially the video, it's very informative. I had a chance to talk to the engineers, and it, it's more of you know hearing them talking about the project, explaining a lot better than I could. So I encourage you to take a look at that for sure. Thanks. Yeah, so that was exciting. Yeah, so then I jumped from one to another. You know, there's been, been so many things going on. I guess the next episode I will tell you because I wanted to save that future episode on an entire, maybe on the entire trip because I had a, an amazing trip uh, going to Amelia Island from Miami to Vero Beach and to Amelia Island. And I drove some exquisite BMW cars, new and classic ones. I published some videos already, but I have a lot more coming out. So I think we'll save that for next time. But um, I can, and we can also talk about my next trip in that episode because it's still under the embargo, oh. and it's probably going to expire until then. But basically, no secret, I'm going to go. Be, I'm going to go drive the new M2 and XM. It's going to be an event in Phoenix, uh, no track component, unfortunately. So only um, I'm going to be driving them on the road. I did have a chance to drive the M2 pre-production last year in in Austria on Salzburg, so I had a chance to drive both manual and automatic. Um, on, the, on the track, so I have that experience. So I was very fortunate to once again make the cut for that. It was tight, but I did make the cut for that one. And um, <laughs> and now I'm gonna, gonna be going on some public roads, basically, and seeing what the car can do. And I've been in that uh, in the particular location and the, on those particular roads with the X5M and X6M, and I had a blast because there's really some fun roads. Some of the portions or some of the sections of the road that are being they're being closed off by the local police, so we can actually push the cars quite a bit. So it's going to be, if you see high speeds on those roads, those sections were closed off. It was all safe. There were no incoming cars, no anything like that. So it's been all done in a very you know safe manner. Of course, we're not going to go crazy, but that's the reason why you might see that speedometer a lot higher than you usually do. Because it's in a controlled yeah. environment. So Exactly, exactly. And, and, and it's another thing worth mentioning because I, I keep getting yelled at, literally getting yelled at, um, Sometimes I I publish photos, and especially on my own Instagram, I don't do a lot on the BMW blog one, where I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. Mm -hmm. And clearly, I'm in you know the US or Europe, so it's I'm not in the UK. Mm -hmm. uh, and and people don't understand that when when you're going to an event like this, there they work with the local enforcement, local police, and they they close off portions of the road for a few minutes at a time. And and then you can actually shoot photos there. So you have a lead car of professional BMW photographers. That's what they do for a living. They've been some of those guys I've known for a long time. I mean, honestly, they've been there a lot longer than I've been doing this. And that's what they do. They basically they tell you to follow them. They tell you to move from one side to another, and they're gonna shoot photos of you, videos, so on and so forth. And it's it's legal. It's it's legal in the way because the cops are there. The close the, the roads are closed off. There is no danger whatsoever of any incoming car. So if you see me on the wrong side of the road, it was done on purpose. Really, uh, we're not. We're, I, I've I've been yelled at that I'm the typical BMW driver and I'm you know bringing a bad reputation to the to the BMW driver you know community and, yeah and community. I try to explain that that's the reason why we're doing that. And honestly. I could stay on just one side of the road, but sometimes the scenery is so good on the other side that they want me to move so I can get a perfect shot. And who am I to complain? You know. So, I mean, uh, the the blanket statement should just be: if you see that happening, understand that it's in a controlled environment. It is uh, yeah. supervised by local law enforcement. The road mm -hmm. is blocked off, dedicated for the shoot. Nobody's in danger, and the media and photography that's happening is done by professionals that have been doing it forever yeah and i'm at a point in life when you know i'm not 
I'm not there trying to get myself killed or damage a very expensive car by taking the perfect shot, you know, to post it on social media. Not really. I mean, I'm trying to be as safe as possible. I'm probably driving slower than I ever was in the past, you know, trying to be you know, smarter driver, not trying to, you know, prove anything and all of that. You're trying so not to be that G80 kind of... driver in the green one, right, on Instagram. You're <laughs> yeah, exactly. tr- that's not who you are. Yeah. Yeah, try not to, yeah. But, um, yeah, so M2 XM. So M2, I'll be driving over the two days. There'll be a lot of footage coming out, I promise you. We subscribe to the channels, all of them, because I'll be pushing out a lot of content, uh, different colors for each car. There will be an M2 M Performance car, which I'm, which I'm going to film, but I'm not going to drive. Um, so you'll have a chance to see the M2 in different colors. The XM, it's got probably six or seven colors there, which is quite cool. And um, I'm excited to see what the cars can do. I mean, I drove them already. I know they're capable. I don't expect them to have changed much because they were close to production. But nonetheless, it's still a lot of fun to drive these cars. I'm very fortunate to be doing this. And I think I'll have a lot of fun over three days in in the beautiful uh, Arizona and driving this car. So I would say stay tuned because I'll have a lot of thoughts on on the cars. And if you know me by now, you know that I'm an M2 type of customer. I am... I own a 1M, and I've always liked the, the the smaller, compact M cars more than anything else. They might be slower than the M3s and M4s or the M5s or M8s even, but I, they're just my my style. So I can only imagine myself having a lot of fun with that. And, of course, I will show you what it feels like to drive a manual versus an automatic on the M2. And then we're going to talk about the XM quite a bit also because it's a car that's quite controversial, I would say, and... Um, it confuses a lot of people what it stands for, but I can share you, you know, my thoughts on what I think about the car and what it fits within the lineup. And of course, we can talk about the design on that car as well. So it's a lot of stuff coming down the pipe. Yeah, a lot. I mean, I'm not going to tease everything else, but there, there are quite a few things that we'll be doing in the next few months between all of us, not just myself. And um, and I think it's quite exciting because it's a really busy year for BMW. There is a five series coming out. There is a concept cars. Um, a lot of stuff and then the next year it's a big year for m you know you have the m5 sedan the the other one that they don't really talk about it yet the m5 wagon which is likely gonna hit the road you know soon in concept forms i'm gonna in uh, in prototype forms we're gonna see that so there, there are quite a few things next year but we're gonna focus on this year because there is a lot also the mini brand has a lot of things going on so i can't wait actually because we do test drive minis and horse races too. A lot of people might not know, but they might see the coverage and they wonder why they're part of the same BMW group. And we kind of have to, you know, it's the same family. Some of the cars share components and traits and all of that and drivetrain. So it's, it's definitely worth uh, testing them out. And some customers or some BMW fans are mini fans as well. So they own both products. So we'll be driving some, probably some mini electric cars this year. So I'm quite excited about that because it's a new, it's a new world for mini. And personally, I can't wait to see what they've done with that. And then, of course, the the holy grail, uh, Rolls-Royce Spectre. I've been talking to Rolls-Royce guys. And also with the chief designer, and was warming recently how, how much I'm actually waiting to to drive the Spectre. Uh, because uh, I, I've, I've been hearing about it. I've seen the car. It looks fantastic. But apparently, the drive is just absolutely amazing. Sublime. Like, apparently, it's so quiet that if you thought that the, the previous Rolls-Royces or like the Phantoms are quiet, then apparently this one is like, you could hear like a pin drop. You know, he was telling like, like literally you could do a test and hear a pin drop. It's all quiet and silent that car is. And uh, I'm excited because I'm, I, I, I get excited about Rolls-Royces quite a bit because not everybody gets to drive them. And, and Yeah, not, no, not cruise, everybody gets to drive I them. Mean, yeah. But honestly, that's what I was trying to get to that point where that, um, 
I'm, I'm very careful when I drive a Rolls Royce. Sometimes the Rolls Royce PR guys ask me if I want to test drive one in Chicago, and I'm like, you know, I'm afraid, you know, like the potholes and, you know, parking the car in places, and then I don't have enough space in my garage. The car is too long, so then I have to park it in safe areas or, you know, safe warehouses. And I'm like, uh, probably not. So I always, I always pass on really amazing you know, press cars for the Chicago area, and I save them for actual international drives or media drives and all of that because they kind of set up the entire thing for you. And I have to worry about all these little details. Um, but I'm, but this one, the Spectre, I will drive it anywhere because honestly, I can't wait. I love the shape. I, I love everything about that car, and uh, we'll also have a cool interview with the chief designer Anders Warming. He's a former BMW head of design, exterior head of design, so he's got a lot of thoughts about the car and his. He's a really good guy to talk to and share some details on that. So that will be a cool thing happening also this year. That sounds exciting. Uh, and listen, yeah, if yeah. you don't, uh, if you don't have the space at your place to park any Rolls Royce, just just send them over to Seattle. I I'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, it, honestly, even if you if you scrape a wheel, you know, it's so expensive to repair. And of course, they're not going to charge us. You know, mistakes can happen. You don't do it on purpose. But you still feel bad. Of you course, don't want, you don't want to scrape a wheel or something or somebody trying to steal maybe the spear of ecstasy even though it's kind of hard to steal it today you know it's got a safety feature it just pops down right yeah exactly but so that's kind of the reason why i'm saying that i'm afraid to drive these cars but i but i do enjoy a good rolls royce drive in a nice setting and especially if somebody drives you and you can fully experience what it means to be a rolls royce owner Mm -hmm. which i guess is something very very unique from from being a bmw owner basically yeah well, I mean, you go from being from being the driver to being driven, right? And uh, yeah. one can only assume that you're enrobed in the lap of luxury when when you're yeah. in Rolls Royce. Whereas in the BMW, I mean, for me, it's like put on the helmet, gloves, race shoes. <laughs> We're going to IKEA. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I do it a lot. Keep in mind, my my daily driver. It's fairly boring. It's an i3 because I enjoy having a boring daily driver sometimes that i don't have to worry too much about you know driving yeah so, yeah but when you want to so, when you want to uh, let the hair fly uh so to so to speak you you jump in your 1m right yeah for sure yeah not enough but i should do it a lot more this year so yeah once again if you don't anyway, if you don't you know yeah. need it send it send over, it over. Sure. Yeah, yeah i'll give it a good sure. home i'll give it a go home and 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 nobody drives that car they just put it away <laughs> Even myself. Nobody drives the, the baby. Nobody yet. drives that Come car. On. Like no, no, like nobody, like not drives the car. Nobody parks that car. Well, I mean, uh, I think again, and, and just to kind of touch back on what you said, like hurting a car, whether it's yours or not. Uh, if you're a true car yeah. person, um, hitting a pothole or you know hearing anything that's outside the norm, whether it's your car or not, mm-hmm. it kind of hits you right in the soul. You know, it hits mm-hmm. you right in the heart. You're like, ah, that one hurt. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's no surprise that nobody valets like, like I do like I park my yeah. car uh, all the cars yeah, it doesn't too. matter like it's, it's and and I and I'm gonna, I'm cool about it you know I'm not like oh, listen no but I'm just like no don't worry about it I got this don't don't worry about it thank you so I'm gonna end with this yeah. anecdote so I was just in the Milan Islands and I'm gonna just tell you this that I even told someone you know they're all excited when they hear that I drive the one M and then right next to me as I was talking about my one M there was a two point five million dollar uh, BMW five hundred seven roaster oh, you know the Elvis yep. Presley car yep. however you want to call it and I was looking at the owner that just literally he was there too he left the car there anybody could 
touch it. It was open. You could actually stick your finger inside and play with the steering wheel. You could do anything. Nobody was there to really watch it or what you do. And and I was like, wow, that's the difference between being extremely rich, you know, <laughs> and just being a normal guy that has a nice car. And you're like, oh no, don't do, do not touch my one M, you know. But <laughs> and then you see the two point five million dollar car right there. And then the rain came down, and they hurried up to cover. I think they covered the. X5M and X6Ms before they covered the 507. I swear oh, to God, you my know, and, God. And, and it just—I mean, it's—it's to—I mean, it's a—it's a car that's been meant to be shown to people and appreciated. And I honestly I have mad respect for that particular owner. I—I've—I know him not personally, but I—but I know his story and all of that. Huge respect for letting BMW, you know, put a car there and not worrying about you know having it all like like sometimes you go to a car show and you have you know guard guardrails like around the car and you know closed off you know you can't really get close to that and this guy was just like living right there on the lawn not caring honestly amazing like honestly you know huge huge props for somebody respect that. respect absolutely respect unbelievable so yeah so what we like to complain about m3cs and one m <laughs> yeah I, I wouldn't be able to do it like i i would just yeah. be constantly there just watching but uh, i guess yeah that is the difference you're not that rich not that rich you're not not that yet rich. not yet <laughs> you're not yet if you get it up point to be like yeah it's just another you know assets that i have you know i can always probably get something else sure you know? yeah i mean but the the beauty um, of it you know is that you make memories and, and even if you could replace something one-to-one it's not it's not the same exact thing, right? And if, if that's sure. the type of person that you are that kind of invests um, or ties memories or, you know, special events or mm-hmm. whatever to uh, physical objects, um, then you have a problem, right? It, it is really sure. irreplaceable. And if you don't, mm-hmm. I think you, you know, in a way you sleep better at night. <laughs> you know? For sure, for sure. Let's have this problem in the future, shall we? Exactly. Good problem to Good have. Good problem to have. Yeah, so that was today's episode, guys. Um, if you're watching this, uh, please leave us a comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know if you want us to talk about something in particular. There's so many topics in the BMW world. If you want to see something maybe unique from us, maybe cover uh, you know newer cars, older cars, or any other topic that we can talk about, please let us know. We'll be happy to do so. There are probably so many things that we know that we don't realize that people are interested in, so let us know for sure. If you're listening, you can always send an email to, you know, podcast at bmwblog.com with suggestions, feedback, and all of that. Today's episode was a little bit uh, fast-paced. I talked quite fast today and a lot, but hopefully that kind of kills the, the the dead spots within the video so it doesn't feel as boring, you know, if you're watching or listening. But, um, yeah, next one, we'll, we'll catch up on that, and hopefully James has an update for us with his car by then hopefully so we'll we can see. talk more about that and then we can tell you more about his next thing you know where he's heading and what he's doing so there'll be some cool stuff coming up absolutely absolutely i'm excited can't wait all right well thanks for joining always a pleasure likewise you guys we will see you in the next one thanks y'all